Dr. Barbara Byers, and we're continuing today with Voices of the Soul. We're going to be talking about character dispositions today, and I want to invite you to go to my website, www.barbarabyers.com, to get a free copy of the summary of the notes for today if you want to follow along. So we experience real transformation and real growth when we become mature in Christ. Um, to experience that growth over our lifetime means that Jesus is taking up more and more territory in our soul. More and more ground is being gained, and that means he is revealing, he's conquering, he's redeeming, he's reckoning with the depths and the intricacies of what's truly in our soul. And you know, when he's working within us, he create, recreates every capacity of our soul. He makes it new. He fills it. He heals it. And um, so I pray as we begin that we'll have a real hunger to want more of him and to want to see him take over more ground in our soul and develop those things in us we so need. So I'm going to talk about character dispositions today. And these are our deep inner attitudes. These are our inclinations, our temperaments. They are inherent. They are deeply rooted qualities in our mind and in our nature. The energies of our heart, if you will. And so the healthy voice of our dispositions, of our attitudes, say, I form, I grow, I move toward growth. The false voices say either, um, I'm unwilling, I'm gonna stagnate because things are hopeless and I'm powerless, or it can be a voice that says, I'm running after what I want. I'm running after my own crooked way. I'm gonna self-actualize. I'm not gonna die to self and live to Christ. So our underlying dispositions are our settled tendencies toward moods, those inner attitudes that really direct our thinking, our um, responses, our emotions. And these patterns have developed over many, many years, often without us even realizing of what they are. And so for instance, we become a person who is patient or bitter, jealous or loving, a grumpy or kind, sensitive or brittle, um, and they become very natural to us. But God wants to order those things that are out of order and get to the deep places within us so he can transform. And you know, he wants us to be like him, but for that he needs our permission. So whether instinctively or whether we learn them, our uh, early years really have a great deal to do with the habits that we form. And then, of course, these habits in turn form our character. But even if they're formed very early, as adults, we can recognize it and we can turn that around when we see we need to form new dispositions of heart. And as we walk in the Spirit, as we renew ourselves in His Word, renew our mind, as we meet life's challenges, trusting Him and looking to Him, we can develop new ways to respond. That's the good news. Uh, Lewis, C.S. Lewis calls this 
our virtues becoming embodied in habits. I like that phrase. So as we pursue real transformation, we're partnering with the Lord in those words that heal, correct, instruct, and really give new life to new patterns for us. And this isn't something that just happens to us. It is not automatic. Paul Billheimer wrote, the Spirit's conquest of our fleshly nature is not necessarily automatic. We have a choice in the matter. Not every Christian is fully alive in the vitality of the freedom that Christ has promised. You probably feel that sometimes. In some areas, you just know you're not yet walking in the freedom He's promised. But many, by habit and by choice, are still enslaved. And you know, we can read the scripture, we can consider the promises of God, and we just recognize we're not there yet. And we feel so constricted sometimes, so compelled by our old tendencies because that's what habits do. But by choice, we come to the Lord and we give everything we have and we take everything He has. And uh, we say yes to His enlivening Holy Spirit to come and work uh, within us. And we really see this in Philippians 2.12 um, where Paul wrote, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, knowing this, God is at work within you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So he says it's both. You continue to press with your moral effort, but know that his grace, his presence is at work within you to work things out. And that should really encourage us when we think about his enabling grace and when we set our heart to this and where we see brokenness in any area, we can be so confident that his grace will abound, as Romans 6 says. So these character qualities um, comprise our disposition, and uh, whether good or bad, and it's uh, very often what uh, the New Testament refers to as our passions. I'm using the word dispositions because often I think for us passions maybe connotes something a little differently. But in scripture, the godly qualities are expressed right there in Galatians 5, when we see the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, and so on. Um, and, but immediately after this list, then we see uh, the corrupt fleshly things, the passions of the flesh, and uh, qu quite a contrast as to these two sets of dispositions. But as we let the Holy Spirit work, then these things can settle in us more and more and more. And we really can see the fruit of the Holy Spirit developing in us. And this takes shape, as most habits do, little by little by little. Every time we say yes, every time we say no to the wrong thing, every time we say yes to the Lord, because our yes is so powerful, He is able to build something in us. And He builds more and more and more and we find more joy and more peace and more love and more self-mastery and more goodness. So these virtues are these inner qualities that help us to really stand well. The Holy Spirit has taken up a residence within us and it is when we come into intimate communication with Him, that intimacy with Him begins to change us from the inside and establish us. Every one of us, Scripture says, carries giftings and anointings. Every one of us. 
He wants us to carry those giftings and anointings well and produce the fruit of righteousness. And it's a fruit that he wants to remain. And he really cares about how we carry the weight of our anointing, how we carry the weight of our giftings, because he really has productive assignments for us. But our character should be able to carry the weight of it, but sometimes it trips us up. I've seen people who are so gifted and so anointed but their character couldn't carry the weight of it. And so they ended up really harming people where they wanted to do good because they didn't let the Holy Spirit, the same one who flowed through them to others, they didn't let him flow into them and change them. Uh, Paul wrote, uh, Peter wrote of this in Titus 2 when he says that God has come to purify people for himself eager to do good and this adorns the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. We can adorn the doctrine of God. Isn't that wonderful? So we don't want to counteract the blessings of our gifts. We want to carry the weight of that. We don't want to be disqualified in the race. We want to carry the weight of our anointing well and bring glory to his name. Um, all right, so you know, how do we go about this? We see this list in Galatians 5 of the fruit of the Spirit. We see the same list where these passions are listed. Drunkenness, sexual impurity, depravity, idolatry, strife, bitterness, malice, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, and slander. Mm, I hate to even read those out loud. Uh, they're impulses and desires of the flesh and they are in direct opposition to the Spirit. Paul Bilheimer wrote, there are dispositions which must be continually yielded to the cross and to death if we are to live triumphant and victorious lives. So how do we go about it? By death to self. Uh, in the same passage, we, Galatians 5, we see this answer. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. That's our part. And that's echoed again in Romans 6 when Paul writes of us being baptized into Christ's death where we are buried with him in order to be raised up and walk in a new way. And when it says that we are crucified with him, that the old self can be done away with, literally that can be translated, the old self can be rendered powerless. And that's what we want, that the power of Christ may be seen in us. So having died with Christ, we live with him. When Paul talks about putting the old self to death, and this is important, he is not talking about putting to death our mind, our will, our imagination, our emotions, all those parts of our soul. What he is talking about putting to death is these uncontrolled passions that are listed in Galatians 5 and the uncontrolled appetites of our body. They pollute everything, they discolor everything, and they really keep lies in place. Roy Hessian wrote uh, The Calvary Road and he said, it is always self who gets irritable and envious and resentful and critical and worried. It is self who's hard and unyielding in its attitude to others. It is self who's shy, self-conscious, and reserved. As long as self is in control, God can do little with us. 
for the fruit of the Spirit, that's what we've been talking about, the fruit of the Spirit, with which God longs to fill us, is the complete antithesis of the hard, unbroken spirit within us and presupposes that self has been crucified. The willingness of Jesus to be broken for us all is the motive in our being broken too. Dying to self is not a thing we do once for all. It's important to note, it's not a once for all. It will be a constant dying for only so can the Lord Jesus be revealed constantly through us. All day long the choice will be before us in a thousand ways so that there is yet a deeper channel in us for the life of Christ. I really like that quote. I think he said a lot there. So to understand and practice this daily death to self really is critical to our maturity in Christ. We are not just going to grow by hearing the word and hoping and wishing. We, we have some choices to make. We die to the old dispositions and put on the new. Colossians 3 says it this way. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put on the new self. So we, we now have this new life in Christ hidden in him and we now have the capacity to put the old to death and to take in the new. Romans 7 says it this way, we die to what once bound us so that we now serve in the new way of the Spirit. That's the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is death by exchange, death for life. One thing really substituted for another. So a good picture of this, I think, is um, in C.S. Lewis books, uh, book, The Great Divorce. He describes in that book a man with this red lizard of lust gripping him. It's on his shoulder whispering to him, whipping him with its tail, just generally tantalizing and tormenting him. And so a flaming angel comes and asks the, the man, do you want to you know, be rid of this? Would you like me to quiet the lizard for you? And the man, of course, wants that, and he agrees. Uh, but then the angel says uh, that he's going to have to kill it. So the man says, you didn't say anything about killing him at first. I hardly meant to bother you with anything thing so drastic as that. Look, it's gone to sleep of its own accord. I'm sure it'll be all right now. I'm sure I shall be able to keep it in order now. I think the gradual process would be far better than killing it. So the man just wanted to manage this on his own. Let, let's have a little less lust, you know, a little less pornography, a little less of this. Uh, but he didn't want to die to self. So the man just keeps wavering and the angel keeps saying, can I kill it, can I kill it? The angel won't bargain, the angel won't change the terms, and the man can't manage any other way. So finally, he's feeling the heat of this burning angel and he just realizes this is the only way. It's the only way. So he gives the angel permission to kill it because he says it would be better to be dead than to live with this creature. So the angel gets a burning grip on this lizard and the lizard gives this horrific scream of agony because he kills it. 
And then the man, who has been very ghostly and insubstantial up to this point, turns into this immense, substantial man, and he is just glowing with light and glory. And what's really good, too, is that the, that the lizard was transformed into a great stallion, beautiful, powerful, and able to carry a man. And this is the amazing strength of self-mastery. Our willingness to die to the old passion opens the door for the Holy Spirit to bring in his power and establish the new. And it's the same energy. The same sexual energy has just been exchanged and transformed um, and brought into mastery and now it's able to carry the man. So what has to be reckoned with in our soul is our need to die to the old and we have to give the Lord permission, whatever form it has taken in us, for him to come into that and kill it. Uh, and he kills it by exchange for the new. His life comes in and overcomes what has been death to us. It may burn us, it may cost us, but it won't kill us. And in fact, it'll be our very salvation. Paul wrote in Romans 5 that when we suffer, that endurance and proven character are actually formed in us. And how we respond to trial and pressure and stress and temptation has a great deal to do with how our character develops. If we choose to remain in joy during trials when our faith is tested, then steadfastness will develop. James uh, 1 says that. Uh, it's a completeness and maturity of character. And um, as we stand the test of distressing times, uh, Peter says that our proven character results and it gives praise and glory to the one who's worthy. Trials and suffering, although we don't prefer them, really do develop our character. So God isn't just repairing the old self. He really is transforming us. He's inviting us to die so that a life will replace what was once there. And it's quite an exchange. It's our choice to be free rather than to be just hidden and safe. So the indwelling Holy Spirit is fundamental to our transformation. And he, he guides us through the process as he meets us in this to reform every capacity of our soul. He makes growth possible. Ours is to surrender. And as we surrender, not striving, but surrendering to him, we see that real change is possible. If we just strive in our own strength, we're gonna be discouraged when the broken places don't seem to change and things don't seem to be fixed. But because Christ lives within us, I've said this before, there is already a whole place within us. Sarah Collin wrote, the erring and hopeless voices of the world, the flesh and the devil, would tell you that you are your wounds, that you are most truly named by the damaged places in your soul. But answer those voices with confidence, testifying that you have received the most valuable privilege that exists, a place of wholeness already established inside your own being. This is an amazing, invisible reality and one that your soul needs to ponder, imagine, profess, and own. 
He lives within us. Just take a moment and thank Him. He really is here. He is alive. This is our real God dwelling within us, making us His habitation. That is such great news. So I wanna talk for a minute about the movement of our souls. Our soul has movements. And the more we understand the movements of our soul, the more we're gonna be able to collaborate with the Lord when we understand the process of what's going on. So for example, if there's times when I'm really worried and, and it turns into fretting and anxiety and I can't seem to stop it, or times when I'm just confused and cloudy and continue in that, or times when I'm offended and can't seem to come to any resolution about forgiveness. That is a movement of my soul that's downward and inward. Okay? I'm, I am only looking at myself. Real growth comes when I can look up and out and forward. The downward movement pulls me back to the past and back to pain. And the way we defeat these downward spirals, such as hopelessness or worry or unforgiveness, is by exchange. We set aside the old inclination, we look up to the Lord, and we focus outside of ourselves, and we focus on good things. Sometimes we just need to get up and take a walk, or read a good book, or look up something in the Bible, or talk to someone, um, but this shifts our soul and it stops that movement that started from a downward spiral and it shifts us back up. So then we move up, we move out, we move forward and we step toward the Lord and so we live present and future that way, not present into the past. So this is the kind of movement that really facilitates healthy growth forward. And otherwise, we're gonna just impede and stagnate our growth as we take these spirals down. And I wanna give you hope today that it really is possible to stop the downward spirals. It takes some real effort at first, but it's possible. And we really can retrain our will as we engage the Lord and ask Him to help us Lord, help me recognize these patterns. Help me recognize, you know, the catalyst and the trigger that start pulling me downwards. And as we recognize that, we simply make another choice because we tap into the power of the cross and the abiding presence of the Lord. His resurrection power is ours. And we stop one habit by exchanging it for another. This will take patience, this will take courage, this will take effort, but it's by His grace, knowing He's at work, whether we even you know, see it yet or not. So Jacques Philippe wrote, Father Jacques Philippe wrote that we need to discover and practice the inner attitudes, the dispositions of heart that make us permeable to God's grace. I like that phrase, I seek God's grace being able to penetrate us, that make us permeable to God's grace and attract it unfailingly. God is faithful and he loves us. And so we can find absolutely unfailing ways of attracting this grace. Isn't that beautiful? So God's our father. And as we lean into him with faith and trust and obedience, 
we're attracting more of His grace. So how do we, you know, have the heart to sustain us in the long run, to keep developing these character qualities? Well, we're going to have to simply live in the reality of the indwelling Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. By living in the reality of the Spirit of the living God, we are focused not on the soul, that would be a mistake, but on the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Otherwise, we just strive and strive and fail if we just focus on our soul. We live out of the reality of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And He's the one that gives us the grace, the capacity to put the old things to death. And in the dying, we rise with Him. So we die to the old and we rise to the supernatural. It's about the reality of the living Christ as I said before, taking over more and more and more territory in our soul. So let me just uh, give you an example, kind of practical transformation. Just in one recent season, the Lord really kept calling me and emphasizing, you know, it seemed like everything I read, He kept emphasizing His goodness to me. And I'd read in the Psalm about David declaring his experience living up knowing the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, the goodness of the Lord. And so I knew the Lord was really pressing into me to take in that goodness and to believe Psalm 23 that surely His goodness and mercy would follow me all my days. And so I started, you know, by faith taking that in and studying it and I realized that God's goodness refers to His abundant generosity to his abundant mercy, as well as to his excellence and uprightness of heart. His goodness is the very essence of his nature, and it's just bound up in every way he responds to us and in everything he does. So I started wanting this beautiful character quality. It's listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit, by the way. I wanted to be full of goodness, and so I knew to have this goodness it, it couldn't just come from me. I had to have His love poured abroad in my heart, as Romans 5 says. So I started setting my heart in that direction and praying that His goodness would be displayed in me more and more. But His goodness isn't uh, just a quality I hold. There's an outgoing to His goodness. It's something that wants to be given to others. But at the same time, I was more and more aware of some of my attitudes my impatience with uh, maybe a clerk in the store or a nasty driver or something that didn't happen that I wanted to happen. But as I meditated on the goodness of the Lord and I, I saw what was lacking in me, the Lord began to pour more of this goodness into me and I began to choose it because I wanted the goodness to move out through me toward others. So I began to notice a change some of my impatience, some of my tendencies toward frustration and toward criticism was changing. My heart was more tender toward people. And the Lord was more acutely making me aware sort of moment by moment when His goodness wasn't expressed. So I co-labored with Christ for Him to develop this new thing in me or to deepen this thing in me. And that's the exchange life, giving up what I had a tendency for, inviting him in, inviting him to highlight, and then exchanging it for his goodness, exchanging the old for the new. So just kind of a practical example there. 
God's really committed to our transformation. So let me just give you a few other examples. Where we've been reactive and defensive, we can become responsive. We can, we can learn to listen. We can rule our own hearts well instead of reacting. Where we've been fretful, fearful, we learn to take his life in and receive confidence and peace. Where we tend toward jealousy, we learn to choose good for others. Where we've walked in judgment and pride, we learn to regard others well and forbear with them. Where we've been arrogant, we learn to practice humility. If gossip has had a prominent place in us, we learn to rejoice with the truth and to keep our mouths shut. <laughs> if we've been selfish, we can learn to practice love that doesn't seek its own, 1 Corinthians 13, but seeks the good of others. Where we've tended toward pessimism, powerlessness, hopelessness, we receive the infilling of his hope, Romans 13, 15. Where we've been flighty or avoidant or live in denial, we learn to persevere and not give up in hard places. So those are just a few examples. We learn to disengage the old tendencies, as I did, and, and replace them with new engagements. We engage the truth. We engage the promises. We know His presence is in us. And then we become co-creators and collaborators with Him uh, in the operative power of His grace. Uh, Peter, writing in 2 Peter 1, gives us an important key. He said, for this very reason, make every effort, so that's our part, this moral effort pressing in, to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, and that's what we've been talking about, growing in these, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So he indicates God is building character in us, line on line, step by step. Now engage your moral effort in this. And um, it's not automatic, as I said before. It's not always easy. Uh, but because we have his grace, it is very possible. These, the innate character qualities we have, have taken a lot of time to develop. And so it will take time to dismantle and to develop new ones. And we keep reforming them by exchanging the old for new. So what greatly helps us and what helped me in this example I gave you, what speeds up the process is when we just keep receiving his light. He's shining light on the old thing. And when we go, yes, Lord, I see it and I repent, we allow him to convict us so we can repent. And then we grant him access to heal the old places in us. Sometimes it's old wounds we need healing. Sometimes it's lies we believed, maybe lies of entitlement. But he has to uproot the old things associated. And then with great deliberateness, we take hold of the living word and apply ourselves to it. So we have to be willing for him to expose these things. And sometimes behind a dark disposition, such as um, an angry, constantly angry disposition or jealousy or bitterness, uh, in fact, very often behind these, there will be lies. Uh, and sometimes the lies are hidden to us, but 
you know, I must protect myself, I must be safe, comes up sometimes as cynicism or arrogance or jealousy. And we ask the Holy Spirit, what lies are still lurking here that feeds this old disposition? And then we can renounce the lie and receive the implanted truth and make that exchange. Choices have to be made. And we can either strive against things or, like lust, the man kept trying not to listen, you know. We can either strive against it in our own strength or we can invite the Lord to be our strength. We can engage His grace. We can engage His purity. We can receive Him as our solid ground of goodness, righteousness, self-control, love, uh, peace, and so on. And, and it's not us striving to be good. We know He's our very goodness. And it's not an experience necessarily. It's not an emotion necessarily. It's just that by faith we know He's alive within us. All His character is available to us, and as we act on it, as we step into it, we find that He meets us there. We step in and He meets us there. We act and then we receive what we need. Um, it'll take, as I said, patience and perseverance, but as we keep choosing, we begin to see change. So rather than waiting for the emotion to be there before we act, I don't know if you remember in a former video I talked about Corey Ten Boom and meeting the prison guard and she did not want to shake his hand or forgive him. She didn't wait for the emotion to be there. She chose to act and then the emotion of God's love came flooding into her. But rather than waiting for the emotion, we simply say, you know, I'm trusting you and I'm going to step forward in this. It's an act of our will. And then we know that he will meet us right there in our obedience and new grooves begin to be formed in our brain, <laughs> new neurological loops in our physical brain, as well as in our heart. And we begin to notice new things really are in us. I begin to notice I, I really want this goodness. I really want this outgoing of God's character toward others, His mercy toward others. But we're going to have to learn to take charge of our attitudes. Some of them have been learned over a whole lifetime. Attitudes toward ourselves, toward others, toward life. But we really can learn new ways because His life is in us. So I'm going to pray as I always do at the end of each of these. Before I do, I am going to suggest a homework assignment. So as I've been talking, I trust the Holy Spirit has been talking to you. And even now, he may have highlighted something in your character that he is working on. We want to work where he's working. We want to join him where he's working. And if you're unsure, simply ask him. Just ask him, Lord, where do, where do you want to work? What do you want to do? Um, and he'll answer that. And so here's the assignment. Pick one of the nine fruits of the Spirit from Galatians 5 and really focus in. Maybe read up on it. Maybe read other scriptures about it as I did on goodness. Meditate on that character quality for a month and ask the Holy Spirit to deepen that within you. I mean, you could do this over, you know, nine months and just take one each month. But invite the Lord into that. Okay? So I'd like to pray now for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you, you have provided everything we need for life and godliness. That's what your word says. 
and we know it to be true even when we don't act in it. But Father, thank you today for the reminder that you're calling us to yourself and you're calling us to display the fruit of your Holy Spirit who has made his habitation within us. Thank you, we are so grateful for that. We're so grateful for the grace streaming toward us as we set our heart and our intent towards you. Lord, even now, um, we confess any habit, any disposition of character, any temperament or tendency that we know doesn't reflect Jesus. We confess that as sin. Whatever we've played around with, whatever we've let remain within us, whatever has come in even unnoticed by us, Lord, but we confess that now. And we take responsibility for that. And we say, Lord, forgive us. Let the blood of Jesus wash us clean as we name this before you. And as you name that before the Lord, he may even be bringing things to your memory. Times when you've in, engaged in that particular passion. Just lift that up to the Lord. He's cleansing every memory. His blood will wash you clean every bit whole. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you know how easy it is for us to fall into these old things by default. They're just like an automatic mechanism in our soul that we default into. But you've given us new life. You've given us a new way. So we invite you to reveal any hidden lies now behind these character flaws. What are the lies that keep feeding it? We, we wanna ask you to reveal the lies and any unknown pain that needs healing. Lord, today or in the days ahead, I thank you that you're gonna be doing this work because we've asked you what's really going on at a deeper level. Thank you, Lord, so that you might heal it. And as we lift the old up to you in confession, we invite you now, Holy Spirit, to form the fruit of the Spirit within us as we exchange the old for the new. We invite you, Lord, your beautiful, beautiful character within us. We want that to be on display, that we might give glory to your name. Make us more and more and more like you reflecting your glory, reflecting your goodness, reflecting your gentleness. Mm, Lord, all that you are in your grace. Bring what you need to bring to us, Lord. Burn in us and create these new dispositions. As the angel got hold of that uh, lizard and turned it into a stallion, we ask you to do this within us and burn within us. Um, we know, Lord, it is for our good and for our salvation. And we ask even today for grace to continue to step forward, whether we feel it or not, to continue to make those steps of obedience, uh, empowered by your Spirit to step forward in the new. And we just resolve and determine, Lord, to add our moral effort to that as you give us grace. We say thank you, thank you, thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.
Thank you for joining me again today with this. And again, I invite you to look at the website, www.barbarabyers.com, if you would like a recap of this teaching. Thanks.